0: Again, We know y'all be listening, the OG back it better than it's ever been, blast from the past, you know that our pace is fast, and if you want to sub, we got something for you to smash, five stars with them positive vibes, don't miss a beat week to week you just gotta subscribe even if your team's got you hella mad don't worry we write our prescriptions on a yellow pad so settle in y'all this is gonna be fun because when it comes to hot takes two is better than one from being to the canes to the acc who knows more about this than us
1: the og
2: let's podcast alongside joe gilio i'm joe ovias merry christmas happy new year let's get through. Number four, number three, number two, and oh. number one for our end-of-year OG review. You did a wonderful job in part one with your countdown, Joe. So I'm curious what you have cooked up for number four.
0: Number four. Yeah, is it? I mean, we got to get there. That's it? I got better ones coming.
2: <laughs> you know what, though? Appropriate. That's a very Dave Doran-esque number four. Yeah. Yeah, number four. Shit, be happy I even said four. Shit, be happy we got the number four.
0: (laughs) And they didn't get to lost number four, by the way. So it's totally appropriate. (laughs) This was the year where I proclaimed
2: Dave Dorn entered the Herb Sendex zone. And this was after the Virginia win, which has given us so much joy this year with his quote. Shit be happy we won. And props to Ethan Hyman who had a wonderful video of this entire sequence.
1: I mean there's always questions and concerns, you know what I mean? Like what we did tonight I thought was a bunch of guys had to play, there was injuries. In the, I mean the second play of the game, Boykin goes down, you know. And all week in practice, Cecil Powell was our backup strong safety. Cecil went in the game, got hurt. So both strong safeties were hurt in the first quarter. So Bishop Fitzgerald moves from free safety to strong safety. He didn't take a rep in practice all week at that position. That's what we were dealing with, you know what I mean? Like, those are the things going on you guys don't understand. And so I thought we played really well under the circumstance with what we had. And Devon Betty wasn't in practice all week because him and his fiance had a baby, you know? So he missed all the practices this week. So a beautiful baby girl, you know? But that's going on. There's real-life stuff happening on this team, you know? Uh, on offense, you know, we lost a running back on the second to last day of the week. You know, And then we get out there and all of a sudden, Raphael gets hurt. You know, those things are real. You know, and people want to bitch at play calling and this, that, and the other. Like, There's other stuff going on, man. We found a way to win on the road in the rain against an inspired football team. Shit, be happy we won. It's a good win. I'm excited to go home three and one, get ready to play Louisville.
2: That quote And the reaction to that quote was why I felt like, man, like the people who ride for Dave are going to ride for Dave. The people who don't like Dave are going to find everything to not like about Dave, including being mad after a win, which was his ultimate pushback to that. Like, what do you guys want? We won the game. It doesn't matter how we won the game. We
0: won the damn game. Yeah, There was like a penalty miracle involved there. It in the- doesn't
2: matter. You won the game. That's right. the point. And it kind of really set the tone for the rest of the year, which actually ended up being a pretty
0: damn good year for NC State. That was a little bit more of a roller coaster than that, though.
2: <laughs> it was. It was. But, man, just be happy. We beat Carolina at the end and
0: go into a decent bowl game. It was a, it was a very eventful year in mm-hmm. year 11 for Dave Doran. And when we saw him at the kickoff and he was like giving us props, he's like, Yeah, you guys, you know, you figured out how to how to stick around. You figured mm-hmm. out how to kind of deal with adversity. You you know, you you just keep grinding.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You just stick around, man. You, you outlast them, right? And they come into this season and I, I think we all thought it would be one of those reset type years. It was just a matter of how how what would the what would the floor be? And I was worried, even after the Yukon game, I was like, Woof. And you should be blowing the doors off of you. Even on the road, it shouldn't have been that close the way that they played. They come home, they have the rain, there's like a lightning delay, and then Sam Hartman looks like Joe Montana reincarnated in the old Sammy football from his Wake Forest, Winston-Salem days. They lose to Notre Dame. Who cares about VMI? They go play Virginia on the road in a Friday night game. That Remember at the time, Virginia was in a State of disarray. Hadn't they beaten were, a 1A right. team in two years. And, you know, we're still kind of reeling. And everyone was like, oh, boy, you needed a miracle kind of BS penalty on uh, Virginia's quarterback to to win that. To even get in position to kick a field goal to win that game. And that's where you saw. And they, and quite frankly, the offense was stalling under Robert and I, and mm-hmm. Brennan Armstrong. The next week, they play a Friday night game again at home against Louisville, Joe. And I was there. I was in the stands for that one. And I was like, man, this, uh, this is like a Friday night. This should be the the juices should be flowing all the time. And in the first quarter of that game, the first quarter of that game. The, My the, juices flow all the time. The student section was actually chanting for MJ Morris. Mm-hmm. This is even before Brendan Armstrong threw any of his interceptions. Mm-hmm. There was even, you know, there was a lot of grumbling going on in that game. And they end up losing because of the turnovers. And it, 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 their offensive line was just a, a, a total and complete mess in that football game. But they lose 13 to 10, and it ends up costing them a chance to play for the ACC championship game. That's the law of the wolf. Because after that game, they had decided to go to MJ Morris. Mm-hmm. You know, Brendan Armstrong, you'll remember, graduate transfer, they got him from Virginia. Robert and I, the offensive coordinator, his first year felt more comfortable with Brendan, thought they could make more hay in this rebuilding resetting year with a, with their comfortable the, a quarterback they were comfortable with yeah. an older 60 year guy. And you know those first five games were an adventure mm-hmm. on offense. There was a steep learning curve defensively. They were out of position a lot. Uh, Peyton Wilson, while tremendous with his effort, was trying to do too much, trying to make every play. Uh, Aiden White, a guy who was an all-American the previous year. Was was quickly moving into the David Amerson zone where you're wondering what is he exactly doing right now on some of these plays against Notre Dame in particular, where you're bust coverage busts at the end of the half, really just like what what is going on? And then you know they they bring MJ in, they win the Marshall game in a pivotal game, Joe. Let's not overlook that Marshall game because they were losing in that game. Mm-hmm. Marshall is ta- a talented team. Yeah, you that, tried to tell people about a talented the talented team game. who had won at Notre Dame mm-hmm. the year before they had zero F's given in that game. Marshall, they came in here. They're about to win that football game. And I had, I had uh Akron Chuck Amato vibes. Mm-hmm. Like I had, Oh boy, this is it for Dave in year 11. Mm-hmm. And they pull that thing out of the fire. They win the football game. They go to Duke the next week. And that's where it really... That's where the reset comes. They because got mushed. I loved the messaging from Dave after that game.
1: Well, you should have heard what I said about myself and my own team after we lost to Duke in that locker room.
0: The, the penalties were too much. The turnovers were too much. The busts on defense were too much. And it was just like, hey, if can we just play the way that we know the proven formula that works for us? Don't give up the big plays. Don't kill ourselves with procedural penalties. Um, let's run the football a little bit. Give ourselves a chance. And let's figure out who our best players are. From that point on, they're four and three. They bottom out. They have a week off. That's really when you see an guy go, Aha! Mm-hmm. Kevin Concepcion is our best player <laughs> on offense. <laughs> Aha! It took a while to get there, but yeah. Let us find different ways to get him involved. Let us find different ways to use him mm-hmm. defensively. Hey, Peyton, your effort is unbelievable, but I need you to do Peyton's job, not the other 10 guys. It it was a big, there was big eighth grade gym class energy for Peyton Wilson at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. showing off for the girls. Like, I'm going to hit every ball of the volleyball class. Like, whoa, whoa, dude, let the other people do their job. Yeah. And then you saw, you saw the defense come along. You saw a Davin van. You saw Jalen Scott. You saw the different players. uh, Robert Kennedy. Emerge and make and look like that Tony Gibson defense that we're 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 used to seeing for NC State and all of the parts, all of the things that had to happen for them. Clemson coming here, they beat Clemson. You know, knock Will Shipley out of that game. Make sure the Wolfblood doesn't get one last laugh at them. Peyton has the pick six. Mm-hmm. Kate Clubnick and and Dabo look like they were NC State with all of their penalties and all of their turnovers and all their mistakes. Miami comes the next week. They're dropping interceptions. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Miami was like, here, you, you, no, no, you win the game. We don't like success. We don't want to be the you anymore. I mean, don't don't, think about it. Dave's there in in 11 years. He now has two total wins over Clemson. Mm -hmm. And now he has one win over Miami. So those were huge games. And instead of us sitting here going, wow, man, huge games. Wolfpack looks great. What happens? MJ Morris and his family is like, hey, cool. Um, Checks notes, checks calendar. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we're not playing football the rest of the year. Yeah, we're going to need to save our eligibility. We're going to need to save MJ's eligibility so that he gets a third year of NIL money. Oh, but no, we're we're, we're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We want to be with NC State. What are you talking about? We just don't want to play against Wake Forest in Carolina.
2: And as much as as much as I will Point out where Dave Doran gets a lot of messaging wrong. The way they handled the MJ Morris situation was <laughs> perfection. Perfection. It was
0: well done. They let
2: they let the family kind of yes choke and on it. This is one of those things where I I try to tell this to my kids. You and I kind of handle this some. We handle it this way sometimes as well. Let them talk. Let mm-hmm. them set the t- basically give them the platform to say enough things that they end up tripping over while you do not give people things that they could old takes expose you for or double back on. And it was interesting and you knew from the jump, that's how they were going to play. It was because the day that all happened and C state had their coaches show and Dave Doran did not talk about it at all on the coaches show. And then he had media availability and he was just like, yeah, you know, it's something that, Kind of factored in, you know. We knew it was kind of a possibility, but it is what it is. That's their decision. We got to keep going. And then you started to get some of the quotes from the players and how Brennan Armstrong handled getting booed, yeah, getting, getting benched. benched. Booed. The quote was, "He's a grown ass man." That was Aiden White. Yep, he's okay. a grown ass man. He can do this. So you combine that. Peyton Wilson's leadership throughout the entire season. The way that these Dave Doran teams say what you want about them, they don't win pretty, but they do take on a personality that is chip on the shoulder. I mean, look, this is a man who fought with Steve Smith out of thin air. Okay?
1: Uh, tell Steve Smith in the studio, this ain't a basketball school. He can kiss my ass
0: one of the more bizarre turns of the
1: season. After the Clemson
0: win.
3: Yeah.
1: yes, And you and I talked
2: about it then as, no, I don't think his beef is with Steve Smith. He's simply using Steve Smith as an avatar for the fans who've been bitching all season long about how they've gotten to this point. But then we fast forward to the end. And Carolina is coming into this game. Oh, well,
0: that's that's the other part of this that you can't overlook, right? Yeah. While State is struggling through those first six and seven games. K- USC Duke, 6 and Carolina is on a path to the playoff. Duke's has, Duke with has Drake game day. May. Duke's got game day. Yes. They're they're packing Clemson shit in the opener. This and You're is, going, State, why can't you beat this Clemson? This is why
2: I said he was in the Herb zone. Because yes. as much as Herb Sende could point to NCAA tournament success and I've got blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but buddy, look what Carolina right. and Duke are doing. And then with football, it's doubled down even worse because at least with Carolina and State, there's a pedigree there. Carolina, your Spider Man meme, and then Duke, come on now.
0: Yeah, Elko kind of catching lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. there. And then the way that it turns out, you know, Duke loses their coach, loses their quarterback, yeah. and the season kind of crumbles around them because water finds its level. It does it does. And Duke
2: had, like we said in the part one of this year in review, Duke had their moment in football again. They did and I'm I'm curious when Duke's going to have a, a moment in football in the in
0: the near future. We saw Good. it under Cutcliffe. Took ten years to see it again.
2: So could be a
1: minute.
0: Um and then Carolina, you know the way the Carolina season fell apart while that's happening, state is just on a rocket ship. Clemson, Miami, Wake Forest, uh really entertaining game in Blacksburg against yeah. Virginia Tech in a game they easily could have lost. And that sets us up for the the night game against the Tar Heels over at Carter Finley Stadium on the Saturday after Thanksgiving where quite frankly you and I are still trying to process how did Carolina not think there was a football game? Like it was almost like they pulled know. they pulled the reverse Bizdelic Jordan on them. Like, I don't know. We will show you no respect by showing you no respect. I have said for the longest time that North
2: Carolina has a getting up for it problem. Is this Hunter? Yes, it's Hunter. Oh shit, Hunter,
0: <laughs> Rap, man! He saw, he said, said he I was showing up. up. Were you surprised? Absolutely, I was shocked. Yeah. First quarter, absolutely. Yeah,
2: I mean, dumbfounded. If we all recognize it.
0: Why don't they seem to recognize it? Fucking
2: planted a flag on our field last year. Why are we not woke the fuck up?
0: Hunter, let me ask you a question. All right, is Drake a dog? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Stop it! Stop it! All right, you guys guys were booing Brennan Armstrong (laughs) three weeks
1: ago. Please shut the
0: fuck up. (laughs) Please shut the fuck (laughs) up, If Luke Bay was a dog, who lived to piss on state? By the way, absolutely. Then Drake Drake can't play defense. Just like Sam How could play defense. Yeah. Well,
2: you, you, you gotta give Hunter a hug. You're watching on YouTube. Joe's giving Hunter a, a, a dap and a hug because Hunter Every game. Hunter is the is the <laughs> Carolina football fan <laughs> that tries to rep. And if there is a pill, a pill for that game. How with the, with the hospital being right there, there's gotta be doctors somewhere <laughs> doing research that can give them a pill that would get them up for these types of games. Because I think it goes beyond just NC State, North Carolina. We've seen this when they've gotten it handed to them by ECU. Ah, sure. uh, well, you know, we weren't really thinking about ECU, whatever. There's a level of we're above it when it comes to football that North Carolina has never earned. When they do decide they want to take these games seriously, we've seen this with Miami, right? There's some weird thing that triggers for the, heels. the Tar Heels yeah. when they see the hurricanes. I don't know if it's a leftover from the early days of expansion or whatever it is, but they do it for the Tar Heels. They seem to have these incredible games against Duke for whatever reason and win and close. win and win close yeah. games uh, and the and the victory belt Is that what it is? Does UNC need a, a trophy? Like, do we actually need to get the
0: trophy off the ground finally for state and Carolina? So state now this is year 11 for Dave yeah. and you and I, I've always kind of partial to 20 as his best work. This was his best because work. of the previous year and this, the, the pandemic and this all of the fun. things that were going on that year. I don't think there's any question at this point that going 9 and 3 with with this group, yeah, a very limited group on offense, having the MJ Morris situation, you know, pulling Brendan Armstrong back off of the fire the way they did, did as you mentioned, handling the messaging with MJ Morris where they did, closing the season with the five straight wins, not just five straight wins, but again, a Clemson team you never beat, a Miami team he had literally never beaten. Going to Winston-Salem, winning there for only the second time since 2001, Mm -hmm. and then closing with your third straight win over Carolina. And they finally have it right in their game notes. Since 2020, NC State now is 23 and 11 in the ACC. That's second best to only Clemson, 23 and 11. In all games, they're 34 and 15, also second best to only Clemson. So, again, the part that's missing for Dave is what we'll see now because today is signing day that when we're recording this on signing day, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be happy with all of the additions they're making in the portal. Mm-hmm. Grayson McCall is one of the best quarterbacks in the portal. Uh, Jordan Waters is a, a kind of running back that they probably could have used this year, but heck, he'll help them next year. Uh, Wesley Grimes, a kid from Wake Forest, receiver from Wake Forest, local kid. Uh, Jonathan Paylor, some of the other local players that they've signed in this class, you know, all of those signs and stars and everything else are lining up for the Wolfpack and they're garbage schedule next year yeah but joe you so, know better than that and you this know is, better and that. then now they go play k-state with no quarterback no uh play caller with a chance to win 10 games for only the second time in 113 years of nc state football. you have a podcast called <laughs> law of the wolf you know you're setting yourself up for 2024 right
2: I'm just saying this is, you, the, you're oh, gonna, we, this is this is what you're doing. This, no, 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 this is what you're saying. This is what you're setting up. Boys. This is what you're setting up. This is what's gonna happen after NC State fans have been going, man, your two NFL quarterbacks, uh-huh. Sam Howell and Drake May. You know what their last recorded losses were? They were to us. We be yeah, so I don't even know who UNC's quarterback is gonna be next year. Whoever it is, Max Johnson. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It could be a situation where they find themselves with a third string quarterback.
0: I don't know. (laughs) You (laughs) You know, what's going to happen. It's going to be
2: the reverse because (laughs) it is the law
0: of the wolf. Joe number three. I mean, that's a triple play. The Carolina Panthers. We have gone
2: through just about every emotion we can possibly think of when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. But I think I've isolated the one thought about the Carolina Panthers going all the way back to when they made the move to get the number one pick. It's the sentiment of, are you sure? Are you sure? And you and I, I I remember it vividly. We were at, at the ACS tournament in March in Greensboro. And in the middle of us talking about basketball, the alert hit. The Carolina Panthers have traded up to the number one spot with the Chicago Bears. They've given up XYZ, DJ Moore. And you and I were like, whoa, okay, that's substantial. And we wondered, is there a quarterback in this draft that you feel is worth this draft capital to go and get? But there was one thing that came out. There was one thing in in thinking back on this entire year with the Carolina Panthers that has permeated throughout the entire calendar year and really the entire time since he's been there. It all came back to David Tepper. It was the reports coming out saying they now control the draft. After being embarrassed by Matt Rule and nobody talking about them, guess who was the bell of the ball leading up to draft day? The Carolina Panthers. What were they going to do? Who were they working out? They had, what, a contingent of 50 people that were showing up to these various pro days? Probably should have been the first sign. Um, so I that, that's ultimately what it was all about. David Teppard right down to his press conferences and
0: just how bad this organization has been looked at because of his ownership. Yeah, He buys the team after the 2017 season, after the, uh, yeah, in, before the 2018 season, he buys the team. Mm-hmm. Since then, the Panthers are 31 and 65, which is the second worst record in the NFL to the New York Jets, 29 and 67. Uh, they haven't made the playoffs since 17. You mentioned the Matt rule debacle. Yeah. Now I want to be consistent. I they should have fired Matt rule. They needed a cleanse after Matt rule. Steve Wilkes certainly made a case at six and six, but it was clear from the jump that he was not going to give Wilkes a chance no, he to have the job on a permanent basis. No, he wasn't. That was a prob- That was likely a mistake likely. Now he had a choice. Do you go old and safe? 62-year-old Frank Reich, who hadn't had himself been fired midseason by the Colts. Or do you go young and take maybe a risk in the draft two? You go Shane Steichen, mm-hmm. the Eagles play caller, and go take Anthony Richardson from Florida, a true scratch-off wild card. You could have done both it's interesting that Richardson flashed in a way that we, even before the concussion and other injuries, he flashed in a way that Bryce Young simply has not. Mm -hmm. And, and spoiler will never in his career because he's not that type of player. Well, I
2: wanted to go back to that because I was going through our clips and back on August 30th, when the pick had been made okay. and we started talking about training camps and it, look there's even a clip where we we did the fun thing where camp opens up and we're getting the breathless coverage of this one guy made an incredible interception you know <laughs> hey, like at least they things. made
0: him the starter from the jump we didn't get any of that well, nonsense just quick to
2: your point on that not to belabor it but yeah. Going old and safe did make sense. And they had put well, a yeah, lot of I trust. could understand I could understand the choice. They they put a lot of football people around. A mm-hmm. lot of football people around. And it made sense. And I even, you know, to be consistent back in the summer, I was like, oh, it's refreshing to have adults in the room that aren't goofing around with how they're gonna go about Bryce Young. He, yes, we brought in Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton's not gonna be QB one. Right. They're not gonna do the thing that the Bears did. Or or even our boy
0: Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville. Sure, with. sure. Look, oh, you it's know, Carter true. I mean, yeah. this
2: is, it's all a competition. Stop it. He's your guy. So they never mess around with it. But then we started to see some worry in the preseason. Things felt like they were either hiding the playbook, ramping them up too slowly. Sure. It just was off from the jump. We're like, this offense doesn't look like it in any way, shape, or form is dynamic. And that's why back on August 30th, you had said we're making these comparables with bryce young that don't make any sense
0: i have i have bristled every step of the way at people who want to compare bryce young to russell wilson because it's just flat wrong it's wrong except this one instance ah if if the quarterback is the manager if the quarterback is the helper is the guy who extends drives doesn't make mistakes that's what Russ did his first year they ran the football they played defense seattle I think if the Panthers can get Sanders going and the defense going, then all of a sudden you're not asking Bryce to win games. You're saying, hey, I do need you to make some plays. I do need you to extend some drives, but I'm not asking you to win games. And remember, that was a formula Seattle used to win the Super Bowl. But a totally different guy. But it is totally different skill set. But I, I look at this as a great opportunity. What has happened in this preseason, in my opinion, actually helps the Panthers mm-hmm. instead of going three, and zero. and again, everybody being on their popsicle. Everyone's like, oh, psh. and even
2: when we saw a little bit of what they had, I mean, this clip of you just absolutely singing the praises of Hayden Hurst, unfortunately for Hayden Hurst. No, he <laughs> look in all seriousness, Hayden Hurst is going through it. He has like this post concussion. Yeah. Traumatic it's thing. Football. It, it's, happens. it happens and it's tough. It's tough to see. But we were talking up the pieces that they had put together that would make sense for Bryce Young.
0: Of course, that didn't necessarily work out. I love what they've done with him. I think he's going to be very steady. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to use him in a way this year in particular with the pieces that they've put around him. I I can't say enough good things about Hayden Hurst. Mm -hmm. If you're in my fantasy league right now, understand I'm taking Hayden Hurst. They're asking Bryce Young to be the face of the franchise. They're not asking him to be the savior of the franchise. They're not putting him out there like they did Cam Newton and saying, oh, my God, you're this amazing physical freak. I need you to just go make plays any way that you possibly can Mm -hmm. to make us relevant and interesting. Mm -hmm. They're putting him into a very calculated position where they are now in a situation where they could make the playoffs this year. So this gets us into the season. And while I...
2: We don't know what Bryce Young is. We don't. Because the way that Frank Reich and this offense had been run was so vanilla. And the pieces that they put around him did not pay off in any way, shape, or form. That I cannot sit here in good faith, have a conversation with you about Bryce Young without saying, I don't know. I know that's what we want to do. I know this entire season has been about, I was right about Bryce Young, he's a bust. Or, he's going to be okay. I think it's perfectly acceptable. In year one, given the circumstances and given how bad of a fit Frank Reich ended up being for the Carolina Panthers, not just for Bryce Young's development, but just in terms of what kind of organization David Tepper wants to run,
0: we do not know the answer to it. Yeah, the meddling part, I think, was the biggest part of of the Reich firing midseason, which I I could make the argument didn't need to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, our conversations with Darren Gantt, and Mike Kay and, and Julian Council, it, it was like, yeah, like, you know, when Matt Rule was gone, it was like a relief. Yes. Like, oh, thank God. I got rid of that idiot. You know, with Frank, it was more like, man, he's like really nice and respectable, respectful. And but, all people this, didn't, but people didn't respect him. But because they knew, you know, the hand behind the, the puppet there was separate. Exactly. So. And,
2: and you could see that you and I made a little bit of, uh, we, we kind of made it a thing in that we would go back through Frank Reich press conferences,
0: yeah, he,
2: it was almost like remember the old fired Joe Morgan website mm-hmm. where they would go through somebody's column and then just pick apart like how awful this column was. You and I were doing that with these Frank Reich press conferences where he was saying things that just did
0: not yeah make sense. He sold out David Tepper early about early. The, well, when I go meet with Mr. Tepper on on Tuesdays and mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking, are hey, you wait? Is this guy like trying to like call plays and right? What what what? Um one quick point though about Bryce Show mm-hmm. that I think is fair to make. You're saying we don't know what he could be. Yeah. I think we know what he's not. Sure. And that is the problem for the Panthers. When you pick one one, particularly mm-hmm. this franchise, and I think it fits in with the theme of the week. Mm-hmm. The only thing you know <laughs> is is Cam Newton. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like Kim Newton is a superhuman. Well, I jotted that Six, down five 240 just a, just a freak, a total and complete freak. Yeah. And, and who won games by himself and dragged carcasses of, you know, uh, Philly Brown and, and, and the white, you know, Burson, you know, whatever the hell his name was, like <laughs> Lauren Brownlow's favorite player of all time. That's what your mind is. If you're a Panthers fan of what one, one looks like. Mm-hmm. And, Bryce Young, if he was the eighth pick, you have a... T- where's where they were? You go, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I can see him. He can be a Tua. He can be a, a this. If you put all this, we help him with this. We do that. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. When you're 1-1, you're expected to be something else. And I think it's fair to say he's not an elite athlete. And I don't think he's capable of winning games on his own which is the standard we had seen from that pick at that position with that franchise. Mm -hmm. And that was clear to me after Bryce Young's performance against Georgia in the playoffs two years ago, Mm -hmm. clear to me. So why it wasn't clear to them, they fell for this BS test, Mm the S two test or whatever the hell it was. And we come to find out again, in my magic piecing together of uh, listening to the announcers, Do you know who, like, also crushed it on the S2 test? I think I'm calling it the right name. I think so, yeah. Brock Brock Purdy. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we found this diamond in a rough with the last pick of the entire NFL draft because he'd scored really well on this test. You can't apply the same logic to the very first pick of the draft. (laughs) Like, that is so (laughs) backwards. It got so
2: bad for the people who run that test that they've actually done interviews. I think there was an interview that Pablo Torre had done on his podcast. Where they're like, let's talk about what this test is about. (laughs) Because it's like, man, you're making it bad for my business, man. (laughs) Because that's the last thing you want. It's like, oh, so everybody's raving about this S2 cognitive test. And you had this one franchise that clearly was in on it. Right. And how's that panning out, right? (laughs) Right. But I, I do think that you brought up Cam Newton, which makes this really a year of a panther in a way that we could not have expected. It's funny. As much as they've tried to move on from Cam Newton, they cannot move on from Cam Newton. There was the end of the Matt Rule era, and they had to bring him back to give the fun, the fuzzy feelings. It worked for one game and one game only. I had to coach the coach, and now I you need got that clip, by the way. Now you <laughs> got you got Cam Newton in the media <laughs> realm explaining differences between game changers and game managers, and he's bringing up quarterbacks that are probably comparable to Bryce Young at this point. You have to put stuff around him, which gets back to the central point of the Panthers and what this year has been about, David Tepper, going forward. Will he seems to have at least understood certain lessons, right? Like, okay, I went and got the hot shot. Didn't work out. Let me go in the opposite direction and get something old and safe that football people like. Okay, well, that didn't work out either. All right. Well, the the pieces aren't fitting. It's not a cohesive unit. Clearly, there was, as Joe Person and Diana Rossini reported in The Athletic, a Hunger Games-like atmosphere, which to me spoke more of the lack of respect people had for Frank Reich in the building than it was about running to David Tepper. Because you could pick pick apart all sorts of organizations. The Houston Texans, by the way, are not that far removed from their own level of palace intrigue with former Patriot guys and who was talking to who and what coach are they getting. And now the Texans are the bell of the ball because they seem to have gotten the right draft pick. They seem to have gotten the right coach in D'Amico Ryans. So you can turn this around quickly and get past all the stuff that people were convinced were the reason why nobody would ever want to work for you. Because remember, the Texans were viewed as one of those jobs. Well, who would want this job? Well, they seem to have gotten it right, at least in in year one. So going forward for 2024, the curiosity is going to be, what lesson did David Tepper learn this time? And is he going to bring in a coach that wants to have the sole control of everything? Jason LaConfora recently wrote a piece in the Washington Post about Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. In that story, he was convinced on the executives that he talked to that Bill Belichick might go off and be a defense, like a coordinator or a VP of football operations. He actually will not be a head coach in the NFL next year. It would be hilarious if he goes to Alabama as some sort of quality control coach for Nick Saban. That'd be hilarious. Can Matt Canada be the offensive coordinator? Why not? Okay. Why not? Which then gets us to Jim Harbaugh. And the reason why Harbaugh might not fit for the Chargers, because people are like, oh, man, well, they've got Justin Herbert. Why wouldn't you want that job? Well, Harbaugh wants control. Right. And the Chargers are not in that position right now in how they operate. But you know who might be so desperate to win that they'd be willing to lessons learned. Fine, Jim, you do your thing. I know you're going to burn out fast. I probably got four years with you but I can turn this thing around because that's what the NFL is built for. You can quickly turn these things around through free agency because we all know the salary cap like birds is not real, but will he do it? Can he convince somebody like
0: Harbaugh to come over and take that job? All right. I have a, I have a scenario for you. Okay. I believe here's the Panthers way home. Okay. They got, this all started because they got fleeced by the bears. Mm -hmm. Okay. If we go back to the draft, with JC Horn at number eight. Mm-hmm. If the Panthers that year had done the right thing and taken Justin Fields, we're in an entirely different universe, I believe. I think the Bears are going to use the number one pick on a quarterback, and I think they're either going to cut Justin Fields or trade him for a bag of donuts. I think the Panthers should go get Justin Fields. Complete the universe. Go back, and, like what? What are they called? The, the timeline? What's the timeline? What did they? Put? The gemstones? They put some of that strawberry puree what or are beet juice. What are those gemstones? in that coffee? They're not gemstones. What are they? The mindstones? <laughs> the mindstones. stones. <laughs> Move one. Go back. All right, you've lost it. I think there's something. In no, that's the only way to do it. The shortstop, number two, Derek Jeter, number two. You and I have worked a lot of ideas for podcasts in a
2: previous life, and there was one project that we had kicked around about the last year of the ACC, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we can come up with a sequel to the last year of the ACC. So to set this up, what was the original idea of the last year of the ACC as we knew it, or at least in a in a micro, in a in a micro sense, ACC basketball? Yeah,
0: I feel like twenty nineteen we still had K. We still had Roy. Mm-hmm. We had Zion. We had Kobe White. And it felt like it felt like the old days. Mm-hmm. And what we I always said was, that was really the end. I mean, you had the freaking former president of the United States showing up over at Cameron Indoor Stadium for a for a regular season game.
2: But it was an end in a, in a figurative sense in that when we look at the permutations of ACC conference life, you know, you have your expansion or whatever.
0: To your point, it felt like the old days, basketball was still the thing. Like basketball oh, yeah. was the center. Yeah, oh. And you and you had those giants of mm-hmm. coaches. Mm-hmm. Like, Who's the best? Again, we talk about this a lot. Who's the best coach in the ACC right now? I don't know. Basketball? I don't Jim know. Jim Maybe. Tony Bennett? Your guy, Mike Young? I love Mike Young, Maybe. but he doesn't have the bona fides of, of uh, Mike one or that Roy a- Williams or he, Dean Smith. He won that <laughs> ACC championship, I guess.
2: But anyway... So I, I was in agreement with you in that last. That was a that's a fascinating point. When we when we go thirty years from now, and somebody wants to do like they did for the history of the ACC tournament or the history of the Dixie Classic and all that of stuff, you and I can make the argument. Yeah, man, 2019 is the last. Like you, you're not going to realize how good you had it.
0: Yeah. Until it's too far away. You knew who the players were. You were interested in those players.
2: But now we actually have a year in which we can point to and say that's when the ACC literally died, not figuratively, literally died. And that would be 2023 and the summer of our great discontent in the footprint. And it's not something that started in the summer of 2023. It just kind of came to a head. It's not like we haven't been talking about conference realignment for years as the SEC has done what they've decided to do, or the Big Ten has decided to do what they want to do, or the Big 12 being aggressive in how they've align themselves in the aftermath of these big chess pieces being moved. It was the transition over to Jim Phillips and this, for lack of a better analogy, the star Wars Jedi, you know, your devotion to that hokey religion is just not feeling it. And whereas in star Wars, the force comes through and saves your ass. The force is not going to come through and save the ACC and every step along the way the, the ACC has been reactive rather than being proactive And now they find themselves outside of the college football playoff because there's no respect for ACC football. None whatsoever. A team can go undefeated. If that were Alabama in the same situation they're in, if that were Georgia in the same situation they're in, if that was Ohio state in the same situation or Michigan, a team that has no offense, you'll hold the quarterback, the quarterback. I'm sorry. I'm watching Michigan just run the damn ball and win with their defense. What's the difference to me? But the ACC lacks that respect. And it's only going to continue because they have a broadcast partner that doesn't respect them either. And they have a commissioner in the ACC that seems overwhelmed with all the changes that are going on right now. And rather than being proactive, they've been reactive and just, oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do that.
0: And now we're here with the ACC. So let's look at the end result. The ACC ends up adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Mm-hmm. Okay, Stanford and Cal come at a reduced rate. Which, by the way, SMU has been desperate
2: to get into a conference for years. This is not a new phenomenon. I'm old enough to remember going to a Duke SMU football game where they handed out a flyer. I'm not making this up. I forgot what year it was, but they were handing out a flyer, and they were. It was. It was a one sheet telling you all the ways in which SMU was back in business, baby. We are no longer the Pony Express. We've got this new stadium. We got boosters on board. We got oil money. And nobody wanted them, and in this last round of, of conference realignment, nobody wanted them, and they literally bought their way into the ACC. To your to your point about being
0: reactive, okay, they end up adding Stanford and Cal to reduced rate because of the Pac-12, the way that it fell apart. Yeah, they add end up adding SMU at no cost to the ACC. Those three additions gave them a prorated amount from ESPN for the three editions. Uh, If you want to talk about why ESPN doesn't like the ACC, well, maybe they added three teams that really don't help their overall brand or product Mm -hmm. at a cost to their partner, probably without their partner's consent, let's just say. Okay. The, The mistake that was made was when they had this alliance two years ago and they said, okay, Oklahoma, Texas are leaving. Hey, uh, I'm Jim Phillips. You're in charge of the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, and George Kliakoff. You're in charge of the Pac-12. We all agree. Anytime somebody moves, you know, another domino is going to fall. Let's make sure another domino doesn't fall. That lasted what? Uh, From that was December to the next? Six months. Yeah, it lasted to the next June when USC and UCLA said, hey, cool, awesome. Mm-hmm. Fall. Hey, no, cool. That's great. We're going to the big 10 that led to the, the pac 12's demise. The pac 12 thought they were worth more than they are. They, they priced themselves out of a television deal. Their conference falls apart. And what does the big 10 do? They're the ones who initially say to Washington and Oregon, you can come join us. You're not getting a full ride though. But we'll be your port in the but storm. You, but we'll take care of you. That's where the ACC, the, in my opinion, our thinking, our thinking at the time was: well, the ACC is three musketeers, all for one, one for all. They mm-hmm. don't do. They don't give half rates to anybody except Notre Dame, right? Well, that's five eighths. Yeah. So the the deal should have been: hey, how do we form some sort of our own little twenty team super conference? It was there for them. So it we're was playing there for games, them. as they say, all day on yep. these networks and all it this was, stuff. It
2: was there for them. There was an opportunity for the ACC to make that particular move and get into where we're headed. The content business. Yes. With their own network. Yeah. And instead, for whatever and reason, you throw, you throw Arizona in yeah. there, you throw Utah in there. It was there for them for the taking. Yeah. So you, you had to do it one of two ways. Either you go and make the big move, which is what we just laid out, or you don't do anything. You don't yeah. do anything yep, because you have a television contract that keeps you safe through, through, through 2036. Because as you mentioned, the one thing that I got wrong throughout this entire process, because you can go back and look at our YouTube where I said major conference realignment is dead. And the reason why I felt the conference realignment was dead was because there was no more money left from the television networks. The old formula. Yeah. In the old formula. And the Pac-12 was the one that should have taken a safe deal that they could have gotten from their partners like ESPN. Instead, their com- their commissioner said, no, we're going to go into those Silicon Valley office buildings and we're going to sell them on our vision and they're going to give us so much money. And instead, they got a worse cut rate deal than Apple gave MLS. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, no, we'll give you this money if you reach certain subscriber goals, incentive-laden contracts. And all the presidents wisely said, hell no, because we need guaranteed money. And that I did not... And I think that's ultimately my biggest takeaway in all of this when it comes to conference realignment and college athletics. I don't know how many times I have to learn the lesson. The people in charge are not as competent as you give them the benefit of the doubt. There are a lot of of situations that play out that you don't have all the information or you're getting information and as a president, you have to make a decision. And we had really illuminating conversations with Holden Thorpe former chancellor at UNC, about this kind of stuff. And he's more than happy to tell you about all the things that played out behind the scenes. And again, we thanked him for all the times he gave us some great insight.
4: Exit fee, you know, and you can see why now. Uh, the exit fee is not a good system because a new conference that wants you can just figure out a way to to pay that. Mm-hmm. So we really needed everybody to sign over their their broadcast rights. And most of us wanted to do it. Uh, there were a couple of schools that um, were a little iffier. and actually we scheduled one call. here's a little bit of drama for you. <laughs> we scheduled one call uh, that we thought where we thought we had it. And it turns out there were two holdouts. And of course,
0: statute of limitations, you could tell yeah, us who are the all- yeah
4: it's so UVA and, and Florida State.
0: Okay. Virginia. Virginia.
4: Yeah. Uh, that was all about the conflict between Terry Sullivan and her board. So I told Swafford, we really shouldn't have a call because if we have a call and two people vote against it, guys like you are going to figure that out. And it could have blown up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because every time we had a call, as soon as we hung up,
0: <laughs> so you saw we, it.
4: We saw it on Twitter. Yeah. So <laughs> we canceled the call. And I told Swafford, you need to get on a plane to. Tallahassee and Charlottesville, uh, which he did. Um, the UVA thing was, was straightforward. The board just felt like they weren't being consulted enough. And so Mm. he went and romanced the board. Um, and that, that was all that was needed there. Uh, the Florida state one, you know, I think, uh, Eric Barron was the president then he wanted to do the deal, but his board was in a similar place to where Rick McCullough's board is now um but you know they didn't really have that many other good options at the time and i think this is probably still true um florida didn't want florida state in the sec
0: um say it, just know. say it louder and clearer so that everyone
4: <laughs> yes. kind of understands Understand. what right. the United
0: state's options are take yeah. all of the espn portion of the of this out of the equation like florida alabama georgia what incentive would they have to help Florida State? They don't.
2: Zero. So going forward, now we're just kind of counting down how this is going to end for the ACC. The one thing the ACC still has going for it, though, Joe, is that television contract. And we talked to Bubba Cunningham twice this year where he laid it out very plainly. There was the time he gave us the J.J. Abrams lens flare in the back of the car, laying it out real simple. What everybody's looking at when it comes to getting out of the ACC.
3: What I was saying is we know the number to withdraw from the league. Okay. That, that is a, a defined number.
2: Okay.
5: The
3: number that I've say is in question is the grant of rights. Mm-hmm. So can I buy back the grant of rights? I know the grant of rights says I've granted my rights. They've been sold to ESPN. I could calculate that number and say, they own my rights from now until 2036. The payout is going to be $30 million a year. So that's 12 years. That's going to be $360 million. Let's just say that that's the number. My point is, we would go to court and argue and say, well, I can't pay that or I shouldn't pay that. ACC say, well, just give us X million to get out. That's why I'm okay. saying that number is not known. Got that, it. That's what I meant by I that. I just
2: want a clarification on that because, uh, you know, somebody might take this conversation, put it on social media and, you know, go crazy with it. I can't believe that would happen. No. Never, not in this environment. <laughs> and then there was our conversation with him in December with Florida State saber rattling again. I, again. Bubba is the most level-headed person in this conversation because he just lays it out. Television contracts are ultimately the thing that are the canary in the coal mine for future conference realignment. This was
0: a move made in anticipation of a Florida State or Clemson or a Carolina leaving the league. Mm-hmm. As someone who's involved in in you know, these conversations, you're in the room where it happens. Like, Do you get the sense that that's, that's eminent?
3: Well, I think that what we've heard and what we've seen action on is, you know, there's a financial gap between the television contracts, between the SEC and the Big Ten and the ACC. So to to try to close that gap, we've created this success initiative that allows some of the schools that are going to compete at the highest level, particularly in football, to help close the gap. So I think that was a step toward it. And I think that that that's very helpful in that scenario. But I think all of us are a bit uneasy because none of us thought 12 months ago, we wouldn't have a PAC 12. And so when you see that then you're like, Oh my gosh, if it's the old, if it can happen to them, it can happen to anybody. So I understand the the concern about it, but you know, I I don't anticipate it. Um, And if you look back the last couple of years, all of those transitions have been um, tied to the expiration of their media rights. And so to me, those are, those are the tipping point dates that we need to keep in mind that That's when things would change, probably not until those times.
2: So going forward, we're just going to have to sit and listen to the spin of the ACC until about 2030. We're going to have more Jim Phillips press conferences like we did in October at ACC tip-off where they're trying to somehow gaslight us into, oh, this is great, and we're bringing these great institutions with all these championships in sports not named football. And the question that you and I have to ask ourselves Do we want to continue to be antagonistic at these press conferences or not? (sighs) So yesterday, during the Jim Phillips forum, I had a question to ask. They hand you the mic, and I just, I basically did it like this.
1: Second row, Joe. Good
2: morning, Jim. Hi, Joe. From uh, from Raleigh. (laughs) Joe from Raleigh. I'm just Joe from Raleigh. I'll hang up and listen. (laughs) (laughs) And then meanwhile, you get the mic at the end of the press conference. You've got your eating grin on. And this is how it went.
1: Last question.
0: Joe Gilio, Ovius and Giglio. Hey, Jim. Hey, Joe. <laughs> I was proactive about trying to
2: put together a new slogan. You know, we always say, hey, five stars only, positive vibes only, okay? So I feel like we should probably go in a new direction where, you know, we want to say, with, when it comes to the podcast, we want our listeners to- Protect the fortress. Protect the fortress. You gotta do the hand motion. You gotta do that. So I'm, I'm workshopping this new slogan. We, hey guys, protect
0: the fortress.
2: Give us five stars, positive vibes only. Perfect. Use it. Let's go.
0: Well, of course we do. You, you're just trying to get an honest answer out of people. Um, I would say to you though, if FBS Plus becomes a thing, yeah, I could see ESPN saying to the ACC, particularly after I. I I think the additions of Stanford, Cal and SMU are more contentious behind the scenes than we're talking about. Oh, I agree. Like, I think ESPN was like, really? No, no, no. And the ACC was like, well, it's in the fish baits was like, well, it's in the contract. And I I think ESPN was like, this is what you want to do. This is like I said to Roy Cooper. This is the violence you want to choose. I can tell you, based on my conversations
2: with people in the industry, that there is a lot of Okay, okay, if this is what you want, but keep in mind, we have a long memory. Yeah, those types of things, and that's why I do. I that's why, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, keep an eye on how ESPN puts their arms
0: completely around the SEC, and that's where I think you could see the change. Mm-hmm. If the FBS Plus becomes a thing, I could see ESPN buying out and dissolving the ACC because. Quite frankly, there will be there will be schools in the ACC that, that choose not to compete yeah. at the highest level. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with and that. And then ESPN, rather than letting Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina and Miami in particular, go to the Big Ten, I believe they will tell those schools, here, we have a nice safe harbor for you over here in our new SEC Atlantic division. I think that's... More likely to happen than than we get to twenty thirty, and you start seeing teams splinter off. I, I think ESPN will be the driver in the end of the ACC. Given the fastball, the old number one, Carolina
2: Hurricanes had a hell of a twenty twenty three. We spent a lot of time. I think. I think the reason why I wanted to put the Canes at number one. You notice that everything was pretty contentious with a lot of our conversations. There was like some real like meat on the bone, angst coming out with a lot of these conversations, but now with the Carolina hurricanes, yes, people were bummed out. They were bummed out that the Carolina hurricanes got knocked out in the playoffs. And it just happened to be the hot goalie situation. Remember one of our earlier shows, we talked to the governor, Roy Cooper, Canes fan number one. And I set it up with him. I wanted to have this conversation when we were getting ready for the Stanley cup final Mm. But the Bob had different ideas for the Carolina Hurricanes, and just look at the pain on Roy Cooper's face when we brought it up.
0: I have to ask.
2: You, it, I wanted to talk to you while the Canes were in the Stanley Cup Final, but unfortunately, that was always the plan. I'm like, when they get there, we're going to talk to Roy Cooper. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Are you doing some kind of are you are you doing some self medication, some self preservation by not watching this Finals? and seeing how Bobrovsky suddenly can get (laughs) scored on?
1: (laughs) So I watch a little bit of it, and they are – Bobrovsky's leaking like a sieve, and it's just scoring more goals in one game than we did the entire series. It's just (laughs) ridiculous. And it just shows you how mental sports is and and how much – uh, momentum affects uh, the game itself. And, you know, we just, we're just caught in a squeeze. I don't think Vegas is that much better than we are. I I, I just think that the Panthers at some point were having to come down from where they were. Uh, they they had an amazing run.
2: But other than that disappointment, Joe, I would say that the Canes are the like a distilled, it's like a distilled joy of sports. Why we like sports and why the triangle is a great place to be. Because when we have an event, baby, we love it. We get behind the event from the stadium series where you, you want to tell the, the, the Gary Bettman story again. Oh God. And from I the stadium series, it was, I mean, it was, it was back in February. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but you, you want you want to tell the Gary Bettman parking story.
0: <laughs> Getting into the stadium was such a disaster.
2: It was some of our best radio, though.
0: And he's at the elevator. And what did I say to him? Like, hey, man, next time I really hope you ask the people who are here Mm -hmm. how to help you put this event on, because the parking was a disaster. The traffic was bad. The parking was bad, and then the getting into the stadium. Yes, was like. And then they just started letting people in. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan had some incredible photos
2: of the end zone gate the the Dale yeah. Plaza area and how it was wrapped around PNC
0: and we're like 20 minutes from face off yeah he was Gary had a shit-eaten grin on his face mm-hmm. he was so happy with himself and all this other stuff and he, i think he is from New Jersey and i went full effing he, jersey, he went jersey mode on him and he looked and we were like in the elevator together he and that. he's looking at me like who is this clown and how did he get a credential i have i have <laughs> I have those were great moments. I have done enough.
2: <laughs> I, I have done enough <laughs> interviews with Gary Bettman to know he respected yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, Because the because the jersey coming out is how he likes to spar. He really oh, likes he does. to spar. So he does. I, I don't think he minded that. But we talked to Tom Dundon from the uh, no. This was was it in the gas station? No, it was this was Tom Dundon in the summertime uh, when things had wrapped up and we we're talking about free agency. We talked about the Stadium Series, which which is an incredible event. And when we were going to get another one, because he wants to do another one. And he had this to say is
5: if we get the renovations and all that done, and that's a pretty big commitment from the city and the state and the county that as part of that long-term lease, we'd like to have some things agreed to from the, from the NHL. But that's, you know, I think we have to go first on our side. Here's what the new vision is. And then we, I bet we have, a better chance of getting some of those dates locked in. We're not going for drafts and all-star games. We're gonna, fo- I think we talked about this last time, we're gonna just focus on outdoor game. I think outdoor game fits our market. No interest
2: in the all-star game? Cause that was a pretty fun event
5: when it was here. I'd rather do something, focus on something, do it really well and know it's gonna be great. than I don't know the all-star game. Um, it's not really my, it's not right, really fair. something. Me.
2: So this kicked off You know, the stadium series and the playoffs and and all the talk around the Hurricanes led to what I think is probably the most impactful thing in the area since the Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup in 2006. We get that new stadium lease. We get the renovation plans and everything going forward. And it finally puts to rest the relocation rumors because of this sweet, sweet deal that they've got around PNC Arena and the development around it to the point where we joke with general manager president Don Waddell you have to come up with some new things to answer from the Canadian media.
5: Yeah. we were talked about that. That's morning. every time Montreal comes to town, they always have that one guy that asked one, we're going to be moving there. So <laughs> that is, that is off the table, which it was never on the table, by the way, because course, yeah, it's a place I would pick anyways, but uh, <laughs> nothing against uh, Quebec, but uh, no, we're all good here.
2: But of course, Joe, this is a long process when it comes to what that area is going to look like. And got to buckle up and get ready for some, you know, budget changes and everything else.
0: Yeah. I love that off the ice. You've seen now the future when you went to Detroit. Oh yeah. And you saw little Caesars arena. Yes. You saw the gambling aspect. You saw just how easy it was and how different the experience is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really is. So, you know, that's the off the ice stuff. And I think you've seen the commitment from Tom Dundon, you know, they're a cap team, they're spending, they make the moves. I think they've done well in the construction of their roster, keeping the players together, taking some swings where they can. You know, I think it's funny. You mentioned it, they're the team that kind of galvanizes. I took some notes on opening night because sometimes you got to take notes. Oh, sure, sure. And it, this is just, <laughs> this is what I wrote. I, I have smoke and lights because I remember they're, you know, they introduced everybody on the team and everybody in the franchise. And I said, it is the hope that kills you. But goddamn if it ain't exhilarating while you're in the thick of it. And that's that's where you are on opening night. And you, you have that dream. You have that hope. That's where you are at this at the stadium series. When you are yeah. outside, you finally get out there and they have those uniforms on and, and they're scoring these goals and yeah, they're man. schooling the capitals. And you're like, Man, the canes let me breathe a little bit. Let me have this. Let me let me live these moments. The Canes are unique in
2: this area because we're so trained to be at each other's throats for the three schools yeah. in the area. And even with uh, a lot of people who move here, they still have their NFL team Man, you know, the Panthers yeah. are something that when they're running hot, people will get behind, but ultimately people don't love the Panthers. People love the Canes. They do. People straight up love the Canes. And it's why in the stadium series, we had Carolina fans that were upset. Canes fans that right. are Carolina fans who are like, but wait a minute, why <laughs> isn't state getting this free publicity? Well, I mean, it's at their stadium, y'all their neighbors.
0: They share a building for heaven's sake. Yeah. So that's the off the ice stuff on the ice. Yeah. Now you got three division titles in a row. Mm-hmm. I know the point system has changed, but the last two years have been their two highest point totals in franchise history. Uh, they had one sixteen and twenty two, mm-hmm. one thirteen last year. Uh, one of the things that you that we've learned from Tom Dundon is is their odds. Yeah, you know from the Beer Cave, like as he told us in the hey, Beer Cave, how we calculate the odds. Well, it's it's easy to overlook from last year that because Boston had set an NHL record for wins and points, the Canes weren't that far off from Boston. Yeah, <laughs> who had an a record season, you know. So they get to the playoffs. They beat the Islanders. Remember a little bit of a little bit of touch and go there. It was right uh, six games. They get uh, rid of the Devils in five. Here comes Florida, Florida with Paul Maurice, Florida who eked into the playoffs. Game one goes to four overtimes, mm-hmm. and of course, the Bob happened but they lose three to two they end up uh, losing the next two three games by one uh, a total of three goals they lost the series they lost four total games by a total of four goals and as Tom Dundon told us like under our calculations like the chances of that happening yeah. in that series were like so I wanted to
2: focus on Dundon for a little bit longer too because it does tie back into when we talked about the Carolina Panthers and you as an organization take on whatever the personality is of your owner and how do you go about your business what are you about and we can't sugarcoat Tom Dundon at this point when Dundon took over there was some push and pull there were some instances where people were not happy with Dundon
0: He made decisions based on that spreadsheet, man. That's loyal to it, and he's
2: loyal to the spreadsheet, not loyal to people. So you can bring up things like John Forson. You can bring up a lot of people. Chuck Kent. Can, you can bring up people that you are not front facing that have been working with the yeah. organization for a long time that left because they're just looking at the you know Dunedin's looking at the value proposition and going, why am I doing this? And he ruffled a lot of feathers, and that's not something that you can really. Th- it's 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 hard to thread the needle on ruffling the feathers advancing and modernizing an organization and then bringing people back to the full. Cause the one thing that Dunn is absolutely right about is all this ancillary
0: stuff. People will get over if you win. Right. If you win. Right. And this gets, and, and how about the most important thing he's ever said to us? We ask him in the beer cave.
5: You're also kind
0: of hands on. What's your philosophy
5: with that? I want to make sure that whatever you think is right. Mm-hmm we've thought through all the other choices. No okay. different than where should we put a baseball team? On. I think I know, but I can't be sure until we do the work. I am knowledgeable enough to come up with a reason to do it another way. Okay. But I hopefully I'm not pride so prideful that I would think just cuz I came up with another option that's what you should do, right? Okay. And so our group's really good at everybody talking about it and going through it and and getting to a decision. And mostly because we have a coach who doesn't need to be right either. Mm -hmm. Right. But if, if you're asking a hockey question, you can ask me or him.
2: I'm going to ask Rod.
0: Me too. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to argue with Rod about it. So that's where Tom Dundon gets it right. He also answers questions. Like we've given him a hard time about parking decks. We've given beer. him a hard time about beer prices. Mm-hmm. We've given him a hard time about some of his announcer <laughs> choices. He's always told us too. He's always said Look, about you, the TV deal. It's like, hey, man, can, I want money, and he's going I'll give you money.
2: <laughs> yeah. And Dunden has straight up said, "Hey, you can be like that if what you're basing it off of is based in truth. Like if yeah. you're not just making stuff out of out of nothing." And he always has an answer. Like when I give him grief about the beer, he goes. Do you want to see how we were losing money on the beer? Or when I hit him, like, yeah, but that's two beers I would have bought. He goes, yeah. Now you can drive home safe. Like, you're good. You're good (laughs) on these things. I see you.
0: You're good on those, definitely, Tom. And he's, he's buddies with Tepper. He def, Tepper well, could really go to he the Dundon could. school of, he could. of PR. And
2: I mean, the same thing too with Tom. And, and like again, disrupting the area, dragging it to a modern era. And that even comes down to his big visions for things like Major League Baseball. I can sit here and scoff at the idea because of the infrastructure issues that we've talked about a lot. But man, I give him a lot of credit for at least looking into the possibility of making it work. Because that's ultimately what this area needs. Raleigh is in a position,
5: if we do it right, to Mm -hmm. have a real chance at this. It takes a lot of people and a lot of work. I think we can put ourselves in a position that makes it very attractive to choose Carolina.
2: And, And we're not, we're talking North Carolina. You say Carolina.
5: I believe the right way to do
2: this is to
5: go through a process to give us the best chance in carolina gotcha that might be in raleigh it might be in charlotte i don't know Mm -hmm. um but i don't think i think the role is we all work together with fans sponsors corporates you know the government and find out how we put our best foot forward and whatever that is is what i think we should do okay and the less anyone has any um biases mm-hmm. and the more we just go for the best package. Okay. And I don't know what that is. So it's hard for me to say. I just know it's in I know the only thing I mentioned is it being in Carolina and I prefer it to be in Raleigh cuz that's where we are, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't do anything that wasn't in the best interest of giving us the best chance. Uh, so is, is there a temper in the background? I like Dave, but I mean, I I I think my guess is if we're doing something Dave would try to help. I don't think. Okay. I don't think this is a thing for him. But
2: so as we as we wrap up this year in review part two, and the focus being on the things that we spent the most amount of time talking about, we can close on the Canes also being a provider of amazing content because with the Canes we have Sebastian Ajo beating you in Mulkey.
0: <sighs> I, we have. <sighs> I still can't believe that the pin didn't go over when I had the the walk off ready to go. We have
2: Seth Jarvis. Ah, uh, Hole in one on you. At, at least he beat me. Like in that was his putt.
0: That was his putt. Like he made that thing. I, I am actually over with that one. I've squared that one. I have not squared the mulky. Yeah. And then when I saw Aho the next time I saw Aho, I go, "Did you watch the replay of that?" He was like, "No." And I was like, "There's no way that thing shouldn't have knocked over." He's like, "But it didn't." And I still won. I was like, Yeah, yeah, you did. That's where can't spot they,
2: yeah. the lie. That's that's where the competitive comes out. Yeah. And then after that, Mulkey, I was like, Man, I can't live next to that guy. So we moved. He's no longer my did neighbor. It, did the house get already sold? Oh yeah. Oh, like oh yeah. Gotcha. It never went on the market. Ah. Yeah, you know how this area is, man. It's nuts. So that is our year in review. Thanks to everybody who has consumed our content in one form or the other, whether it's in podcast, YouTube, social media, uh, people who have shown up to our events, uh, we greatly
0: appreciate it. Supporting so a- our sponsors the way that you have that that's been the biggest. That's been the biggest. I'm going to say surprise to me about all of this adventure mm-hmm. since May. In that, I knew we had an audience. I knew we had people that would listen. But even again, I told you we get this text from from Matt Davis over at Dave Arm, and it's like. Hey, I just want you to know we just had two people who list, who said specifically we listened to the show. We lost our homeowner's uh, policy, and we called you. We got it worked out. We saved money. The the any number of people who go to the pizza play go to Oakwood Pizza Box and go. Yeah, you're not kidding. This is really really good pizza. Mm-hmm. Same thing for wings. Over like these wings are amazing. Mm-hmm. Butcher's Market. The sandwiches at the Butcher's Market. So the and and it's not just that you've enjoyed them; it's that you've shared with other people on social media in the way that you have. And that has truly, you know, warms the cold black heart sometimes, Joe, where you think, man, this world really sucks. And then all of a sudden you get some people who do kind things, right? And, and they don't have to do that. No, they don't. They don't have to go out of their way. And and it's been, and it's not just one person. No. Yeah. That's the part of it where I I would say for real, thank you. Cause you're, you're making us work and that's good.
2: That's going to wrap it up for 2023. We will see you January 2nd, 2024. To recap all of the bowl stuff, who played? I almost feel like I can hit you with the trivia question. (laughs) Did this person play or not play? Is it even a real football player? Tell me, future boy. What did you see in the bowl games? (laughs) Happy New Year. See you in 2024.